0: In the Word on the Go is brought to you by New Growth Press, the publisher helping every person grow closer to Christ. As you're making a list for the little ones in your life this time of year, don't forget about the new releases at New Growth Press, including the new picture book, Why Do We Say Goodnight? Going to bed and turning out the light can be a scary time for many children, so this book reminds little ones that Jesus watches over them all night long, just like a shepherd protects his sheep. Find your next read to encourage you in your faith, and learn more about new releases at newgrowthpress.com. This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm your host, Champ Thornton. Whether you're listening by yourself or with the family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today I'm welcoming Tony Merida. Tony is the founding pastor of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. In addition to pastoring, Tony is a speaker and an author, having written several commentaries in the Christ-Centered Expositor series, of which he is a general editor, along with Danny Aiken and David Platt. This commentary series isn't just for pastors and scholars, but it's for normal Christians to read and be encouraged in their walk with the Lord. He's also the host of a podcast for Acts 29 called Churches Planting Churches. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. What verse do you have for us today?
1: Well, I have, it, this is more of a phrase than an entire verse. I'll read the verse, but it's in a long list of phrases that Paul uses in, in really a kind of a long run-on sentence about his sufferings. He says in uh, 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, that he is sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And he goes on to say, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. All right. So
0: if you were to paraphrase this verse, Tony, how would you put this in your own
1: words? I would say something like trouble is, is normal, but even in your trouble and sorrow, there is a well of joy from which to drink and it's, it's found in Christ.
0: So what's the story with you in this verse? What's the background here that would cause you to think about choosing this
1: particular verse? Well, I am now 41, almost 42 years old, and I have just experienced a lot of sorrow in life, a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of conflict, a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. i 've been a pastor for almost fifteen years and i 've witnessed a lot of sorrow and i've i 've witnessed it and experienced it on a number of levels and i 'm sure people who are older than me uh, can testify to the same thing and what i what I think makes the Christian experience unique is not that we don 't have any sorrow. Uh, mm-hmm because everybody in life has sorrow mm-hmm. what makes our christian experience unique is that we can still rejoice in the midst of sorrow wow. and that's that's just so profoundly good news to me that there that you can actually have joy and it's good news because when preachers often tell people they should have joy you know a a reaction is often well you don't know what i'm going through you don't know what kind of sorrow i'm going through Hmm. and i want to say like the christian joy doesn't mean there's a it doesn't mean you have no sorrow uh, it means that you can actually have a sense of of joy in the midst of it, because our ultimate joy, as Paul's writing here, isn't rooted in our circumstances. It's rooted in, you know, pressing in to know Christ and and abiding in His presence. I just think it's it's really, in many ways, for me, like the motto of my my Christian experience is, "How you doing today? I'm sorrowful, but I'm rejoicing." There's not a day I don't feel some level of sorrow, um, but there's also not a day that I don't have reason to rejoice because the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied, and because of that I can rejoice.
0: So, in your experience, whether your own personal experience or what you observed in others, what does that joy
1: look like? That's a great. It's a great question because I think most people think of joy as some kind of superficial. You know, you're always smiling, and it's it's just kind of this happy you know, uh, popping around all over the place like a, you know, cheerleader you know, right. you know, with spirit fingers. Yeah. But I don't mean that, you know, like uh, C.S. Lewis used to say that that there is a joy that makes a person serious, huh. you know, and that there there is a certain sense of contentment and fulfillment and meaning and peace, as you say, that that can actually reign in your heart when everything else around you is going crazy, that there's there can actually be that center that's holding you. And it's, it's found in, in knowing Christ. And so for me, the rejoicing, it, it, it is expressed through peace instead of anxiety. Hmm. It, it, it's experienced in being, being hopeful rather than hmm. being in despair. It's expressed in uh, having zeal for the Lord rather than being apathetic. Mm -hmm. When trials can can make us inward, that's really what trials do. They really can make us self-absorbed, and they can crush the life out of us, and they can make us anxious. And I think this this concept of rejoicing, it is overcoming these types of uh, default modes of our heart where we, 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 we turn inwardly. It actually helps us to turn first to Jesus. And then it can help us to think about others uh, before we think about ourselves. You know, it's it's kind of a corny acronym, but it works. You know, that joy is is uh, J O Y, Jesus, others, and then yourself. And and I think that's where joy is found. You know, it's first in Christ. And if we're not looking to Him for joy, if we're just if we're if we're looking at ourselves, then uh, we will despair.
0: So I'm going to read this verse again. But before I do that, is there anything that would be useful for our listeners
1: by way of context, setting the stage for the verse? Well, Paul has been talking about his own ministry, and uh, he talks about being a servant of God, and then he goes on through this whole list of trials, and I always say, if you're, if you're having a bad day, just read, read chapter 6 of Second <laughs> Corinthians. You know, he says, uh, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. You know, he's been treated as an imposter. He's unknown. He's dying, and then he gets to, I'm sorrowful, yet I'm always rejoicing. Like, how, how can a guy who's going through all of those things still rejoice? And it's it's encouraging because you're like, if Paul can still rejoice in light of all of that, um, maybe I can too.
0: And so we're going to pick up then in Second Corinthians 6 in verse 10, right in the middle of Paul's sentence, he says this. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, As grieving, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet enriching many. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. Mm. It's good. So what enables Paul to say this? How can he, on the one hand, legitimately assess his life and say, yep, we're poor and grieving and sorrowful and yet, on the other hand, truly say, we're rejoicing. How does that happen?
1: You know, in, in Philippians, Paul has a great theme of joy and he's telling the Christians there, "Rejoice in the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. the, the source of the rejoicing is in the Lord. So you continue to see it in, in that particular letter. While he doesn't insert here uh, yet always rejoicing in the lord i think it's implied by paul's own testimony mm-hmm. by the context of of second corinthians because if you just read second corinthians he is a man that is captivated by the lord jesus you know he's he's been talking about to be absent in the bodies to be present with the lord right. uh, about he's talked about appearing uh before the lord that he's talked about that uh, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised. He said that we are new creations in Christ. We've been reconciled to God through Christ, that we are now justified before God because of Christ. And so I think that's the secret. You know, it is just being enamored with the person of Jesus Mm. and what he's done for us. That's where we find this joy.
0: Man, that's excellent. So can you close our time today, Tony, with a word
1: of prayer about this verse for our listeners? Sure thing. Father, we thank you for your truthfulness that you tell us in your word that we will have trouble, that we should not be surprised by trials, trouble, sorrow, grief. But we're also grateful, really grateful today that in, this, in spite of grief, in spite of sorrow, uh, there is still a well of joy from which to drink. The well of our salvation that we can go back to again and again and again and because christ is the same yesterday today and forever and because we are secure in christ uh, we know that circumstances will not bring us ultimate joy but jesus will and uh, i pray that you would uh, enable us to rejoice not just when things are, are going well but even in hard times, may you give us a deep and abiding joy that comes from our union with Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to In the Word, On the Go. This episode is brought to you by New Growth Press, which aims to bring gospel-centered resources to every church and home. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.